Welcome to JRCigars.com, the world's largest cigar store. We boast the internet's widest selection of premium hand-rolled cigars at the guaranteed lowest prices. Our reinvigorated website is fast, user-friendly, and offers our customers an array of unique features. No access to a computer? No problem. Download our ShopJR app in the Google Play Store or our steals and deals in the App Store, and you'll have access to our extensive selection at the tip of your fingers. With the fastest low-cost shipping in the industry, JR Cigars guarantees same-day shipping if you order before 3. This is JRCigars.com. All of the cigars, none of the hassle. Get ready for Smoke Night Live. Massa Sensei. Never alone. The audio now, should I turn up the audio now, Jack? We're doing this fun cold open thing where we just boom and the show is open. Jack, you're supposed to be like laughing about some sort of joke you told. Some sort of joke you told. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's no joke? What? Our show tonight. No joke tonight, for sure. (laughs) Classic. Uh, huge show. Uh, episode 189, Jack. One of our favorite segments, one of our favorite recurring guests. Inching towards 200. The mark. 200. Jack, this is a big week because on Tuesday we head to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We hop on a plane. Yay, we're coming to Philadelphia. And uh, Tuesday, night, uh, Tuesday night we're going to check into our hotel and then directly go to uh, Smoke Maniuk in uh, Philadelphia where Juan and Bill are going to be meeting us there. We're going to sort of like take over that shot. I don't know if Bill's coming. Is Bill coming? I don't know. He wasn't on the promo image. Yeah, did you see that that sexy like nightclub so image they, of us? Did they keep him off the promo image? He wasn't on the image. He wasn't on Kevin the was on the image. I don't know. So Is it, Kevin being more handsome than Bill, like swapping out Bill? Is Bill out? Well, A lot of people are saying. Uh, Bill could be out <laughs> and um, maybe, you know, it's it you know when you see when you see Bill you wonder if he ate Kevin but maybe in this case <laughs> Kevin Kevin ate Bill. Bill and Bill's gone but then um uh, then uh, Wednesday we'll head on up to Easton Pennsylvania we're gonna check out um, uh, go to a couple shops and whatnot and then next Thursday that's a week from yesterday we'll do a special episode of Smoke Night Live from Protocol Studios. It'll be next Wednesday? I thought it was next Thursday. Uh, Thursday, sorry. Perfect. Yeah, sorry. Thursday night, yeah, we'll do a special Smoke Night Live. And from then that Friday, we're probably just going to pack it in, head <laughs> home, nothing <laughs> crazy like that. And then Friday is the big release of our next collaboration. It's the first collaboration that we've done since our Davidoff collaboration back in November. Segway. Segway. But before we get to the Segway, let's talk a little bit about that because uh, this is the Protocol Nightstick in... Um, a lot of folks last year uh, wished that they had got their hands on K9 because it went really fast. 90-minute meeting. Now, guys, I, if you email me a couple days later after the release and say, why didn't you tell me about the Nightstick? We've said it in a million different ways. Nightstick is coming out a week from today. A week from today. So here's how it goes down. Make sure that you are a, uh, a member of our email list. And you can do that if you go to the Nightstick press release on our website. Or you can just go to the bottom of our website and there's a, a link that says join our email list. If you get on that email list, you're the, you'll be the very, very first 
people to get a chance to buy it. Mm. Now, that email goes to literally thousands of people that have signed up to get this product, but there's only 500 of them, Jack. Sure. There's only 500 bundles, and not only that, there's only 500 bundles, but there's really only 400 available to buy online because 100 of them we're going to have in-store for the big party. Now, Jack, I see a lot of people already saying they're going to they're gonna be at the party next week. That, that's the thing. Like, the dojo, we do... We if do, you're within... A hundred miles. A hundred miles. Maybe even a thousand miles. Just drive in, fly in, whatever you got to do. It'll be so much fun. Be at Famous Smoke Shop a, f- a week from right now. Be at Famous Smoke Shop. The party goes from, I think, noon to midnight, so like, or 11 maybe. in the in Noon morning. until they kick us out. I don't even remember when it starts in the morning, but I've heard some people say that they're going to be uh, camping outside. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. There's some people saying I'll be camping outside, get re- getting ready to get my hands on Six, eight bundles of Nightstick. And um, so let's talk real quickly about the cigar. It's a beast. Uh, it's, it's not the same blend as the K9. This is a Hector blend, and it's amazing. It's everything we wanted in uh, – y- y- when you call a cigar the Nightstick. You got to bring ooh, a little – better deliver. It's, it's got to deliver, right? Like, like a Nightstick delivers when it hits you on the head. Now, I'm not saying that this is all strength. Because I wouldn't say it's a crazy strong cigar, but it's strong in flavor. I would say it's like a full-bodied, full-flavored cigar. Full-bodied, full-flavored cigar. Dense. Um, dense. And thick mistress. Here's a, here's not a, a mistress. Sh- Sorry, that's already a thing. Here's a, here's a cool thing about this is if you do go to Famous and you buy a bundle there, you'll get a raffle ticket. We're giving away a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, there's going to be some dojo banners we're giving away. Sure. And also, if you go to the store and buy it at the store, you'll get a special Protocol Nightstick Cigar Dojo sticker, mm. uh, which is really cool. It's a die-cut sticker. Jack, they're in that drawer right there if you want to show them. But, so there's, there's a lot of reasons to go to the store. But think about this, guys. Who, throw, who throws a party like Juan and Bill? I, not many I can think of. Nobody, nobody. Who gets kicked out of a party like Juan and Bill? Nobody and throws a party like Juan and Bill. And then when you combine it with the dojo, when you combine it with us... You're talking about like it's it's sort of like you know like a like a Voltron Avengers yeah. you know come together to fight who do they fight just uh, sobriety <laughs> who's, who's the guy with the Thanos okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't watch superhero movies but they I, I assume they fight that guy thing. so next Friday is going to be a huge huge event and then um, and then Saturday we're going to try to uh, bounce down to Twin Smoke Shop mm-hmm. back in Philly. Because uh, I love that shop. I just go to that shop as a fan because I'm a fan of that shop. And so we'll Anthony. hang out there with uh, Anthony Renzulli, those guys. So that next week's going to be a huge week for the dojo. Now that you've watched The Sopranos, you might yeah, now that recognize I, some of the I characters. I finished The Sopranos last night. Or no, the night before last. Finally. I never watched the show before. Good stuff. And it was incredible. I had a great time. You have all these my theories wife. that nobody wants to hear about. I've got theories up the yin-yang. <laughs> i got cares. theories, but nobody cares. So I won't even talk Speaking about the theories. Speaking of theories that people do care about, yes. we have our favorite se- uh, segment tonight. Yes. The, tonight we're going to do uh, classes in session uh, because, guess what? We have one of the... Uh, here's the thing, guys. We've gone on all kinds of tours. Um, we've been to lots of factories uh, in the DR, in Nicaragua, Honduras. But there w- there's a guy out there who knows more about tobacco than I think I've ever met in my entire life. And we've had him on the show one, I think once before, just once. 
it was it the one in person? Was was, I think that was the only time we've the had him on the show. The inception of the classes in session. Yeah, and so uh, let's bring him on the show, Jack. Without further ado, um, one of our favorite guys, uh, Klaus Peter Kellner. Klaus, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Hello, guys. All good. Yeah, good. We're good, We're brother. So good. We're so psyched uh, that you uh, took time on a Friday night to join us on Smoke Night Live. And when I talk about uh, my experience down at the Davidoff factory trying, you're tour. Just, you're trying to butter him up and get on another one. No, really I, 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 no <laughs> I know. That's, it sounds like I'm brown nosing, but I'm, I'm really not. It was the most I've ever learned in my life about tobacco. And Klaus, I, I want to thank you for that. And I'm just excited to have you on the show. You're a young guy and you're like passionate about tobacco. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a special release that you guys are bringing back after like a 15-year hiatus or so. And mm. it's this cigar right here. So let's just get, let's dive right into this bad boy. Oh, there it that's is. That's not the original packaging. <laughs> no, that's not. That's right? like, this is like a super uh, limited, you got to be like, you got you to gotta look like these guys to get something like this in your mailbox. So Klaus, tell us, me and Jack have never, we have not smoked this. In fact, no, we haven't even. We're about to. We're going to open it up. We're going to cut it. We're going to light it. We're going to do it right on the show. But while we're doing that, tell us why this cigar is so special. And, um, and well, let's just get right can we, into can it. we light it in sexy cam? No, we can't. No. <laughs> um, Here we go, well, folks. You guys have a weird packaging there. That's actually what I was able to makeshift for you. Mm. You know, I had a little arts and crafts session in the office <laughs> the other day. <laughs> um, I figured... Uh, what better way to pack it than with that tissue paper there, that gift wrap paper. But um, Intubado gift wrap paper. Yeah. But you guys are, like you're showing right there, the Specialis 7, right? Davidoff is uh, Robusto Real. I have a box here, too. All right. There we go. So Robusto Real better. Specialis 7. Look at the lumber. And actually, there's a little magnet, and that's how the box Ooh. closes. Oh, so man. that's the original packaging. That's what you guys are going to be getting next week. Take me to church. So you guys are actually uh, smoking or enjoying this cigar a couple days before we actually ship it. Oof. Must be nice. Yeah, you guys are the first uh, people to actually enjoy it live, you could say. Well, we, we are more than honored. And, um, Jack, let's as we do this and as Klaus describes – this cigar and talks about how it was made and why and the significance of it. Let's we'll we'll sort of add our just little live notes mm. as to as to it what we can rich you not make that noise. Rich That's mahogany. Rich mahogany. <laughs> so so Klaus, this cigar is a sort of a re-release, right? Explain that. Yeah. So um, if you see in the box, there's actually a little label up in the top right corner. This says vintage, vintage blend. And um, we're calling it vintage blend because it's a re-release. Um, we're bringing, we brought back as a limited edition the 2004 blend that we did, uh, the Robusto Real. And it's called Especiales 7 because uh, it's the first blend, uh, we think probably ever, that had seven tobaccos in okay. it. Um, definitely in the Davidoff history. Uh, so it's the first time that Davidoff decided to put seven tobaccos in one cigar. Seven, seven different in the tobaccos and also from Davidoff is the regular occurrence. So you're talking seven tobaccos from seven regions in the DR, and you have 
a wrapper that's Ecuadorian, right? So you have so yeah, so five fillers, um, one binder, also Dominican, and then the wrapper is Ecuadorian. Mm. So, so that now talk about why that is significant. Why is it so hard to combine such a uh, vast array of tobaccos into into one cigar? What's significant about that? Well, if you look at history, um, at the beginning, most blends were uh, two fillers, you know, uh, three fillers plus binder wrapper. That's five tobaccos. Um, Really, we started getting into uh, four fillers in the 90s, and then uh, five fillers didn't really come into the 2000s. It's uh, like a Gillette razor. Like you just started adding <laughs> blades and blades and blades until so, you got so to it. So it was hard with the, to make a good draw with that many tobaccos in, in the fillers? Well, you also have to look at the history of the shapes. You have noticed that shapes are getting bigger sure. with time, right? So especially just to give you that idea that in, in 1990, 1991, when my father made the Davidoff Special R, which was the 50 by 5, 5 by 50, that was the biggest ring gauge he's ever, he had ever made. And when you're saying your father, you mean literally your father, for those that are watching, maybe not familiar with your okay. lineage. Yeah, my father. Um, uh, Hanky yeah. Kellner. Yeah. <laughs> you just blanked on your dad's name. Uh, my dad. Uh, he's my dad. <laughs> my dad. My dad. Uh, if you're if you're listening to the show on the podcast, or you're watching. Uh, we're talking with uh, Klaus Peter Kellner, who is the son of Hanky Kellner, one of the most legendary blenders of on all time. Earth, yeah. With uh, uh, Davidoff cigars, and so so these sev- blending of the seven tobaccos. What what is that going to? Is that does that add complexity? Does it add depth? Uh, you know. It definitely adds complexity. Um, when you look at a tobacco, it has the ability to stimulate a particular area of the palate. And what happens is when you have two tobaccos that have the, the same uh, stimulation or overlapping of stimulations, then you have uh, one tobacco in the bitter, another tobacco in the bitter, and then layer on layer adds what you would call complexity. It's not one-dimensional. It's not just bitter. It's not just earthy, but it might be earthy with woody, earthy with chocolate, mm. or chocolate with woody. And you just have these layers on top of each other hitting the same area of the palate. And this is kind of what this cigar is doing. Yeah, I like, you know, uh, one of the things that you guys explain in great detail when you're down at the factory is is the sort of the regions of your palate and your tongue, you know, the where you taste salt, where you taste acidity, where you taste sweetness. And so I'm, ass- I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, when you blend a cigar with all of these different types of tobaccos, what you're shooting for is tickling all of those senses, the salty mm. area, the sweet area, the acidity, to give your whole palate something. Because let's face it, there are cigars, Jack, that you smoke where, note. You, you know, it's, it's one note. It's, that doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, but you that, that, that doesn't if, mean it's if you go to like bad. a you know, you go to you go to McDonald's, Similar. you go to McDonald's right. and you get a regular cheeseburger and it's got that one flavor. You go to a five-star restaurant and there's layers of flavor. There's, there's this and there's that and, and there's little, sauce yeah. and there's that and that's kind of That's sort of what we're going for here. Now, right off the top, I can tell you that um, I'm getting a, a a nice sort of um, a mus a little musky bite to it which I like, but yet there's a salty note. There's a salty note and what I like uh, what I like, Klaus, about cig- a lot of cigars is when I taste the tobacco on my tongue and the, not just the smoke, but the actual tobacco itself has a nice saltiness. And I like 
that that's what this cigar has a nice saltiness on my tongue literally when i put my tongue to the cigar itself yeah um there's actually two tobaccos in the blend that are giving you that stimulation uh, that are that saltiness and especially at the beginning when you're starting to smoke uh, the first area of your palate is going to be stimulated uh, normally every cigar varies but normally the front the tip of your tongue the sweetness the lips and the salty area right next to the sweetness is going to be the first areas that you get stimulation. And if there's uh, two tobaccos in this case that have the ability to stimulate the salty area, then it's pronounced. And salty is not bad. Salty in food enhances flavors. So when you have enough saltiness, it really uh, makes you feel like that. You know? Right. Uh, I'm making that sound because it's... It, is it, in Spanish you say te da seguidilla, or you want to keep smoking it. You want to keep like uh, you're puffing at it because it's that salty flavor makes you want to keep going. Mm. Um, kind of like Lay's, you can't only have one. Yep. You know, Lay's are salty. Jack, the potato. Jack. <laughs> like I, Stop. I wouldn't know Jack. anything about that. Insert joke. <laughs> Insert, waiting. I'm Insert waiting. joke. I'm saving myself for marriage, Klaus. <laughs> um, now, Klaus, that's an interesting aspect, and what I want to ask you is. How do you guys know, do you catalog, like, okay, like, this, this tobacco, you know, we know it has this sort of salty flavor. This tobacco, we know it has sort of this sweetness to it. This tobacco, we know it has an acidity to it. I, I, then when you get to the blending stage, you, you're bringing these tobaccos together. But I guess that's where an expert blender has to decide, okay, th there's enough of this tobacco it's, okay, too much of this tobacco. Now we need to back this one down. Is that where the blender comes in? Like, do you catalog, you must catalog, okay, all these different regions of tobacco we're going to bring in. This has the spectrum of flavors we want, but now how much of each one do we want in this specific cigar? Basically, um, I always like using food analogies, but basically kind of like in food, you know how much each ingredient can give and how much it fights against another ingredient. So, uh, you know that if you add too much salty, too much salt in your food, you ruin the food, right? Sure. So you want to add just a, a little bit of salt, uh, like salt bay, you know. <laughs> don't, uh, don't sorry, that's, that's, that's not allowed on our show. Sorry, not allowed on your show. You can curse, you can <laughs> flash a tramp stamp, but, but don't, no salt, salt bay. bay. That's that crosses the line. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure not to mention that one again. But um. Uh, then you you also, uh, you know, some uh, tobaccos will dry your palate. So if you add too much of it, then your palate will become dry and the flavors are going to become too harsh. So then you have to balance it out with another tobacco that's able to stimulate your salivary glands and create saliva. And then that way you're creating, you're making uh, a blend that has some saliva, that has some acidity, but not too much. And then the counteraction of, a, of another tobacco that actually dries your palate and you have a balance. Right. So it's really a, a play uh, of the master blender to uh, figure out what goes well. And really, you you make a lot of good blends, but then there's also a lot of bad ones. So there's sure. a lot of trial and error. And it's really just kind of fine-tuning, making little blends. You know, when we did your Cigar Dojo release, uh, we didn't just send you one. I don't think so, no, right? No, we had several to choose from. Yeah, you, we sent you a, a ton of different blends so that you guys would get to pick one. And that's probably the one that you guys liked the most and probably was a very balanced one. I mean, I remember when we had it, it, it was pretty on point, you know, and th that means that 
we are also looking at cigars, making a blend and say, okay, it could maybe use a little bit more of this, or maybe I'm looking for more strength in the background, I'm looking for more sweetness. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of just rebalance the blend a little bit by percentages. How difficult okay. is it in a, so this, this Robusto is a five and a half by 48. How difficult is it to fit five different filler tobaccos inside of that? Uh, well, you can't do all full leaves. Mm. You know, um, you're looking at basically um, um, four full leaves in a ring gauge more or less like this. Um, and then, or three and a half more or less, depending on if it's a ligero or it's from the bottom of the plant. Uh, top of the plant they're thicker they wouldn't really fit in there would kind of get clogged uh the bottom of the plant they're thinner they're lighter you can fit more tobaccos in there but depending on what kind of tobaccos you're trying to fit in there uh, you would have to break some leaves in half or half some leaves full and you play around with that and those are your percentages um let's say if you have a, a bigger ring gauge and you have five tobaccos you divide it into 20 percent right 100 percent divided by 20 by, by five, you go through your 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. You have all full leaves. And then you reduce the, the ring gauge. You're going to start cutting some in half to make them all fit in there. I hope you understand that. I, when you started doing math, you almost <laughs> threw me off a little bit. You're like doing 20s and fives and this type. But uh, I think you, I'm still tracking. Um, uh, no, so, so what you're in, in this particular cigar, and what I'm noticing, Jack, see if you disagree, it seems. It's 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 a light cigar, so like it doesn't seem like it's overpacked with tobacco. The draw is, but bananas. what what you're getting here is sort of an, a different experience. Mm. Like this is a this, look at this perfect, and we just got these today, I think, yeah. or maybe yesterday. I'm getting just the perfect, you know, burn and everything, and that comes into play too, right, uh, Klaus? You can't just say. The, these are all the tobaccos we want without considering how this thing is going to burn because, you know, Lijero burns slower than Viso and, and so forth. And so that plays a factor as well. Yeah, definitely. What you try to do is you try to put the strongest tobaccos or the thicker tobaccos in the middle. And then you put the thinner tobaccos or lighter tobaccos towards the outside. Um, the inside is going to be burning uh, hotter. Uh, so those tobaccos that require higher temperatures are going to center and then it, the way you place the tobaccos inside the cigar, that's going to basically hopefully create an even burn. And if the wrapper and the binder are not too thick, then they will be burning at the same, um, at the same rate. That's why sometimes when you have wrappers and binders that are very thick, uh, the outside doesn't burn on at the same rate and you're going to get these tunnels. Or maybe somebody put a leaf wrong and put the thinner tobaccos in the center and then it kind of tunnels in you. Uh, what's interesting is that the seven tobaccos we're looking at are actually tobaccos that we regularly use in the core line of Davidoff. So when we made this cigar back in 2004, we were inspired as a company on the four cigar on the four lines that we already had, or the existing cigars that we had, uh, which nowadays are Signature, Grand Cru, Aniversario, and Millennium. So we take some tobaccos from each line and try to make a blend that was superior to them because it's a limited edition, but in essence, it has a bit of every single one of these lines. So this is a very Davidoff-like cigar, or a very original, iconic Davidoff cigar, a traditional one. So why, 
why did you stop making it, and then why the decision to bring it back? What was the... Uh... Well, we never stopped making it. It was just a limited edition. Okay. So it was a, it was a one-off. And now, in the last couple years, Davidoff has had the vault program, for example, where they're bringing back some cigars um, and allowing the consumer to bring... Uh, to taste the old cigars that were hits, you know, like the Yadima Fina 2006, for example. The, oh, yeah, those, those were decent, you guys loved. That was, that yes. was a decent cigar. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was a cute uh, little project, I thought. <laughs> luxury, what was it? Something like that. Thank you for that one. Oh. Um, but um, in, in this case, in, not just a vault where just some stores have it, but we decided to bring this one back, um, which has gotten uh, great reviews in the past, and a lot of people did look back to it so this is definitely uh one cigar that we wanted to bring back for everybody to have what what would uh if you were to you know do your little sales pitch like to people out there listening or watching you know if why would you want to buy this what 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 is this gonna what is is this the essence of davidoff is this sort of like a, a flagship sort of thing i mean if i if i this is a this is a fairly expensive cigar it's 28 bucks a stick what what should I expect when I buy this cigar? Oh, well, I can tell you what I think, and I can tell you what the what some of the marketing says. You know, um, uh, for me, uh, we we did a we did a an exercise with the blend, and we tried to look at the at the different tobaccos that were inside the cigar, and basically, um, you have your Olor, you have your San Vicente, you have your Piloto. Uh, very basic tobaccos that we have in the Davidoff lines. And because of that, you could definitely say it's the essence of Davidoff in a limited edition format. You know, it is the essence of the old school way of Davidoff, uh, smaller ring gauge, smaller cigars. You know, this is what Davidoff definitely shined as in the 90s and in the early 2000s, you know. And you have... Um, and kind of like a little bit of the marketing, and I kind of I really agree with this, by the way, because of the exercise that we did. It has the creaminess of our signature line, you know, the the softer cigars that we have. It has the earthiness because of the pilotos and the uh, and the floral of the Grand Cru. I mean, you guys have had the Grand Cru, of course. Um, it has the walnuts, um, the acidity from from the aniversario, from the San Vicente and the piloto mix of the aniversario at that intensity. And then it definitely has a wrapper. This wrapper is the same wrapper as the Millennium Blend wrapper. Okay. So it has the wrapper, it has the woodiness, it has the strength of the Millennium as well. So it is really the essence. It's all of our basic core lines coming into one as a limited edition. Well, that's, that's exactly the answer I was looking for. Yeah, was... it sounds like sort of like, I don't know if you're familiar with like a Megazord. <laughs> sort of like a cigar Megazord, <laughs> if you exactly. will. It, just by itself, you couldn't possibly defeat the monster that you just defeated and then from space turn into a big monster. But with all of these elements together. That's what I was thinking. So, <laughs> all right. So, so Klaus, uh, when will the cigar be available? How do folks get their hands on it? Should they want to uh, experience some? They want to drink in this. So, mama. In the United States, it ships Monday. Okay. Ooh. So uh, next Monday, and that's in three days, we're shipping the cigar in the U.S. and it should be arriving in your store in the next um, two to five days, depending on where in the U.S. you are. If you're in Florida, probably in two days. 
or the next day. But if you're like in California or towards the uh, the west side, it's probably like in four or five days. And is uh, and, ten count boxes in four count packages as well? Well, it's ten count boxes for retail. Okay. Uh, like the one I'm holding right here, right? And if I can open it, the magnet's right? so strong. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's magnets. <laughs> magnets, how do they work? Um, magnets. <laughs> but basically, um, 10 count for retail. You can find these cigars in any Davidoff store or appointed merchant in the United States. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be shipping in, the, in Europe and then to the rest of the world. Um, the packs are actually uh, for duty-free. So oh, okay. when you travel, you're going to be finding it in the airports in Europe, in different locations, in different major airports in the U.S. You're going to be finding the packs. Gotcha. All right, so folks, uh, here's the thing, Jack. This is this is the part of the show. We're going to take a commercial break, but get out your get out your notepads. If, if you if you're a cigar nerd, like one one of the like the the thing that we love about Klaus is like he's one of the rare guys that we can ask some sort of really in-depth sort of questions. So we have prepared some questions after the commercial break. We'll Time come to go back to school, baby. Uh, for the classes in session uh, segment. But if you have questions too, feel free to ask them on Facebook and we'll try to squeeze those in as well. So uh, oh. hang on for a minute and we'll come back with our classes in sessions uh, segment. Here at SeriousCigars.com, we specialize in premium high-end and boutique cigars, along with carrying a wide selection of the most popular cigar brands around. We have an array of premium cigars, accessories, humidors, cutters, and lighters. When new products hit the market, SeriousCigars.com is the first to have them available for sale. We offer a variety of promotions to all of our customers. As an added bonus, order by 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and your order ships the very same day. Our best in-class customer service team can help with whatever you need. We are SeriousCigars.com. You live a cigar lifestyle? Do you have a passion for fine beer, premium spirits, and old cuisine? If so, you are in the right place. This is Cigars.com. What makes Cigars.com unique, it's not only its superb selection of premium cigars, but the fact that it is powered by you. We will showcase special deals and features along with tips and tricks from industry experts to enhance your cigar lifestyle. A new era in cigars have arrived, and it starts here. Jack, we're back. We're back and we're on the sexy cam. We're back and we're on the sexy cam. Uh, so, Jack, we're smoking... The brand new, well, the re-released uh, Davidoff Specials Seven. What are your thoughts at this stage? You're, you're, uh, you're just. That looks like a, a beautiful burn you've got going it's there. Butter. 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 It's like smoking. Um, I don't. I've not really ever eaten caviar, but I feel like if I smoked caviar, this would be what it's. Yeah. What it's kind of tasting like. It's That's like it makes me feel. Like I'm a better person <laughs> than I am. Well, you smoking need, this. Thing. You need that. That's why I'm buying <laughs> ten boxes as soon as they come out. No, so folks, uh, if you're just joining us right now, uh, we have Klaus Peter Kellner on the show, brand ambassador for Davidoff, and uh, we've been talking about the uh, re-release of this cigar. But Jack, it's time. It's time for the Klaus is in session segment of the show, and this uh, is what the, a great this image. This is the part where we just get to ask, we get to ask Klaus anything that we want uh, yeah, about, this is great. So about these, cigars. These, backstory on these questions, Jordan and I, it's like midnight oh, a yeah. couple Fridays ago. We're, we're, a, bit, we're, a, we're a handful of uh, 
brewskis in. Yeah. And we're like, we should whip up some classes and session questions. <laughs> and I'm writing them, and I'm, like, really focused on the – I was like, boom, they're perfect. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to send them off. And Jordan's like – Jordan reread them. And he's like, dude, those those are barely English. You're going to let this touch Gloss's <laughs> eyes? Like, you're going to send that to Gloss? Let Gloss see this? <laughs> so, so Jordan rewrote Jordan, them. Which is how most of our workflow goes. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan rewrote the questions. Jordan made them legible and <laughs> makes sense. And then – all right, so Klaus, are you ready? We have five questions for you. <coughs> these, are, these are fairly in-depth questions. And then if uh, the audience has any that they want to add at the end of the show, we'll add those as well. So, Jack, I'm going to let you ask the very okay. first Klaus's in session question. All right, Klaus, question one. What is the most important step in the cigar-making process? Growing, fermentation, curing, etc. The temptation would be to say that all are important, but if you had to list, in your opinion, the single most important step, what would it be? Okay. Um, before I start, I want to say that you guys have kept making like, you guys keep saying nice things about me and that I, that I explain things very scientifically. And, um, but just to put it out there, uh, I learned everything from my dad. I learned everything from Manuel Peralta and Eladio. And these are like the three musketeers for me from sure. Davidoff, right? And <laughs> I don't know half of what they know. So oh, I, wow. I'm blessed you guys have the opportunity to ask me this question is that I'm honored that you guys put me on this show. But, Too um, humble. Too well, wait, humble. wait, let's, in, in all fairness to you, Klaus, uh, there was a night in Vegas. Yeah, I was going to tell the same there was, story. There was a night in Vegas. We were at a bar. It was after the dojo bash. We got kicked out of the dojo bash. Yeah, it's like two in the morning. And we're sitting at a bar, and like Klaus walks up, and he says, hey, how you guys doing? And we're like, hey, can you just tell us about like the actual tobacco seeds? And like, then I've always wondered. He was there for an entire hour, <laughs> yeah. and not one of us was bored or anything. We're like, you're kidding me. <laughs> All that? <laughs> one seed? He's like, well, I haven't even told you this part yet. And we're like, oh, my God. The metaphors. He's being a little, yeah. There's some crazy metaphors. So you're, so you're being very humble, which is nice. But so, how would you answer that question? So there's so many aspects, and people always talk about like all of the things that go into cigar making. But if you had to narrow it down, like what step could be, you know, like the if you mess up that one step could be the. Yeah, we don't want to cop out. They're all important. They're all equally important answer. Yeah, we're we're looking for like you know this. You this, gotta pick one. You know, maybe pick one or two or three in no, order. No, no, no. One or two or three in order that 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 uh, that is the pivotal to making a really good cigar. Um, I think what differentiates every company, you know, every company says, "Oh, we do this differently." What well, we do this differently. Uh, we have this tobacco. We have that tobacco. Um, what I think really makes every company stand out is uh, in the processes that they are really working on the tobacco themselves. You know, a cigar in the end is elaboration. Some people do it this way. Some people do have this extra step or do it a little different. Uh, that's elaboration and that's uh, quality control. But really where I think it really goes down, it's in between the curing, fermentation, and aging. Uh, those are the processes. That's what actually changes the tobacco, uh, not only physically but chemically. And if I have to pick one of the three between curing, uh, fermentation, and aging, it's definitely fermentation. Um because in fermentation, that's really where you're doing the work uh, to change the chemical uh, components of the tobacco, reduce the proteins, reduce the acidity, reduce the carbohydrates, um, reduce the nicotine, alkaloids. And really, some people take shortcuts. Some people do it more violent. Some people do it more prolonged. 
some people do it in different rooms with um, with fire next to it or, or flipping things in different ways, uh, different pounds, different amounts of tobacco. And that's really what differentiates one company from the next. Um, you can have exactly the same tobacco, the same, um, let's say, supplier, if you're getting it from somebody, same tobacco, same region, same year. And if you ferment it differently, it's going to taste completely different. Mm. And that's really where it, it, you make it or break it. You can destroy a tobacco pile by heating it too much and overcooking it. You can make it better by doing the fermentation right. Or you, you can really just kind of wing fermentation and not really change the tobacco too much. So that's really, for me, the key. So, Klaus, it seems to me, and, I, and you can just expound on this if you want, just based on your answer, it, that could put a company at a disadvantage if they don't have control over that aspect you know, of the cigar-making process. Like there's certain companies, yourself, Placencia, and so forth, that are completely vertically integrated, and they have control over all of those aspects. And so they know if you know, all of that has been done properly. Does that put a company at a disadvantage if they're not involved in that process? Um, in this case, we're probably talking more about the smaller companies, uh, boutique companies or companies that don't have A, inventory, or B, money, um, cash flow to maintain enough tobacco in inventory and in processing uh, while not suffering from their production. Um, and basically, some companies rely on buying tobacco, and especially the smaller ones or boutique ones or just um, mom and pop companies, factories. Uh, they'll buy and they don't have the inventory or the money uh, to be fermenting, to be aging tobacco. So they'll buy it and put it on a cigar. So they depend 100% on the fermentation that another company did, a supplier did. And they have no control whatsoever of that. And they have to trust what the supplier is giving them. And that's not enough. Uh, and especially for Davidoff standards, that's not enough. When we buy tobacco, you have to ferment it. Even we're getting it from a third party, a supplier. You have to ferment it. You have to age it. You have to test it. You have to see how it evolves in fermentation. It's not enough just tasting it in, from the supplier and then, oh, give me so many. So, Jordan, Jordan, our producer, uh, has a well, question. There was an audience question from Mike Hakens. He says, uh, whatever happened to triple fermentation? That used to be the standard. Oh, oh man, he almost fell out of his chair. Oh, he almost go. fell out of his chair. <laughs> let's, say, let's see how most companies um, have, a, have an inventory, correct? Mm -hmm. And... And they have a demand and, a, and they have to supply that demand to, for their cigar production. At that moment, you have to really see what really is triple fermentation, right? Um, triple fermentation in some ways can be a, you put it into piles or pilones, you increase the temperature, you flip it a couple times, then you sort it again, do an aging or sort of an aging. Then you do it again, fermentation, then you do it again and Really, for you to have that much tobacco in your inventory to allow to, uh, for you have to be all that sitting money on the side, which tobacco is sitting money. It's not moving. It's not cash flow. Um, it's a nightmare for finance people, by the way. <laughs> and um, basically, um, people cannot 
resort to that. So really, what is triple fermentation? It's just uh, violent fermentations in the past or uh, basically, uh, but I'm, what do I mean by violent? I mean, they raise the temperature, they speed it up a little bit, you know, and they call it, hey, we did this fermentation, we did this one, but they were really short fermentations. If you really look at the inventory of factories nowadays, nowadays most factories are working on a two to three year inventory uh, of tobacco before it goes into their cigars. That means they're processing tobacco for two to three years. And then uh, if you look at Davidoff's inventory, Davidoff's inventory is about four and a half to five years worth of inventory. That allows us to do prolonged fermentations. You don't need triple fermentation. You need prolonged fermentation where it's the, the fermentation is done and it's complete. You know, and fermentation's at the correct temperature. Every company has different temperatures. Every company has different processes. But you need prolonged fermentation so that the roughness, the organic materials inside the, the, the tobacco, or the carbohydrates are reduced so that the smoke is softer and then you don't feel it the next day. Now, now Klaus, uh, yeah, I think I was going to ask the same question. I'm, you know, I've heard it said that there's really no such thing as triple or double fermentation. Either the tobacco ferments or it doesn't. It's it's you ferment it until it's ready, and when it's ready, it, it's fermented. Is, is that is there some truth to what I'm saying? Like is or is there really? Can you even ferment it more than once? No. To be honest, um, what happens is that every company has different steps, right? And for example, I'll give you uh, the Davidoff uh, the Davidoff process setup, right? Where Davidoff is, they receive the tobacco after curing, right? And they receive it from the farms and they classify it. And they say, okay, we have this. Let's ferment this. Let's ferment that this way. Let's ferment this this way. We ferment it. It takes a year, sometimes a little more, right? And then uh, every tobacco is different. Some tobacco is more than less, more or less. And then you, what you do is you bring that tobacco in, you sort it, you see how it's evolved, you see how it's changed. Is it ready? And then uh, you can do different processes, sort it, qualify it, color sort it, whatever you want. And then you can even strip the middle vein. So sometimes a second fermentation, the second fermentation is without that second vein, right? Okay. And then, mm -hmm. then you do another pile and then you keep working on it. So that would be your second fermentation. So depending on the processes and the, the way the company structured, they will do different amounts of fermentation and different amounts of time. Technically, if you didn't have those steps in between where you're qualifying the tobacco, seeing okay. if it's good or it's bad, you could just do one fermentation. Gotcha. Technically. Gotcha. All right. So we, we, we breezed through the first question. Wait, that was only the first one, Jack. We've yes. got five. <laughs> All right, Klaus, you ready for number two in Klaus's in session segment here? Uh, how do you maintain uh, a blend's consistency throughout different you know, weather patterns through the year? Because, like, you know, hey, we've had... In, in the yeah, DR, so you, we've, we've you, had a hurricane well, come you make, through. Well, you make one cigar, right? And it's excellent. And it's a regular release. Now you have to make that cigar taste that same way forever and in an imperfect weather pattern world where... Yeah, so what do you do? How do you, how do you get consistency in those cigars? I'm drawing something here. Ooh. Oh, baby. We need to get Pictionary. you... Pictionary. We need to get you... Behind. It needs to be a whiteboard. Yes, exactly. Imagine this is a blend, right? Oh. And we say... Uh, it's a bell curve. Strength. Uh, you could say salty, sweet, uh, bitter, uh, acid, right? Okay. So that's your curve. 
We say that's the blend of a particular cigar, whatever it is. Inventories go up and down. Uh, some inventories run, uh, run out earlier than others. And you say, okay, this blend, to make it very simple, this blend is four tobaccos. Uh, each tobacco is divided evenly in the blend. It's 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. Right? Now I'm doing math. Now he's thinking. No, I, yeah, um, Klaus, which one's the, <laughs> which, which is the greater than or less than? Is it this one or is it that one? I thought the alligator ate the one that it was hungry, but I, I always forget. And then they put that in there, and you're like, greater than twenty percent. You're like, is that? Greater than is the one that's facing to the, to okay, the left. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, um, basically, um, you say, okay, I have this this blend of, of four tobaccos. Each one is twenty five percent. I ran out of this one. Um, the tobacco I have available next is actually stronger. Um, there was more sun, there was more photosynthesis of the nutrients, um, less rain, less dilution of the nutrients in the, in the soil. And if I make the blend exactly 25, 25, 25, 25, then the next the tobacco I'm uh, substituting the previous tobacco with is too strong, is gonna, the blend is gonna be off. So instead of doing 25, 25, 25, 25, I might reduce the percentage of that stronger tobacco, let's say 20%, for just to throw out a number. You increase the other percentages, you reduce the other one 20%. And you can play around with the percentages because really what the every year is doing, more sun or more rain, more sun equals stronger, more, uh, more rain equals softer, is basically changing the intensity of the smoke of that tobacco. So you, re you change the percentages accordingly to the intensity of the tobacco you're receiving, you're using in your blends. And then the other thing you can do, there's different things you can do. The other thing you can do is, um, for example, instead of using, uh, let's say it was 25% from the visus region in the plant, you can use 25% maybe from the seco region. Maintain the percentages the same, but bring down the folio level of the plant and that way, you're maintaining the same percentage, the same integrity of the tobacco, but that seco is, be is stronger because the weather that year was stronger, and it might be equivalent to the visus from the previous year. So who, so who in that process, who in the process of making Davidoff cigars is, you know, uh, monitoring this and to determine, like, oh, you know, we, we need to do this this year for these blends because of these factors? Well, thank God we run out of certain tobaccos before others, and we rarely run out of two tobaccos, or pretty much never run out of two tobaccos at the same time. So really, at that point when we run out of a tobacco, we have to do a lot of testing and make sure that the new blend with the new tobacco is exactly the same. But that is obviously spearheaded by our master blender, Eladio. My dad is also involved, and then you have a couple of other people in the factory that are participating in this exercise to make sure that the blend is exactly the same level of intensity and the same profile from the previous year. And they have to be getting information from the farms, too, like uh, the, the guys that are farming and they are saying, you know, hey, the, the, the tobacco this year may be a little stronger, so on and so forth. So to well, remember, Davidoff is vertically integrated, so we yeah. control the farming, too. Right. So we have actually history of every single farm, of how much rainfall it landed every single month in every single farm, how the tobacco was, how much sun there was. And then we test the tobacco when it's coming in. And obviously we have time to test this tobacco and ferment it and age it accordingly because we're not gonna be using that tobacco till four or five years down the road. 
All because right. that's our inventory. All right, Jack, oh. so let's move on to question, uh, was it number three? Number three. Number three. Which portion of the leaf contains the most nicotine? How is this positioned within the rolled cigar to provide deliberate strength progression throughout ex the experience? You can tell I didn't write that one because I could barely <laughs> read it. I probably was like, hey, Klaus, which one of them leaves is strongest? And where, do you, where do you stick that sucker? That's not me making fun of it. Can you rephrase that question for him so he can... Yeah, uh, which portion of the leaf contains the most nicotine? Where do you put it in the leaf and make sure it has where the... Do, where do you put it within the blend? Where do you put it within the blend? Uh-oh. He's breaking out examples. He's got a... <laughs> class, we got to get you a whiteboard. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'll bring a whiteboard. We had... Class, class you got to tell them about what you were doing to the leaves before <laughs> the show. Can you show <laughs> you them at least... Um, so this leaf was, was brought out of, out of a sample that we have here in the office, and it was very dry and brittle. Normally, I'll bring, I'll take a spray bottle, water bottle, and just spray it and condition it and work on it for about 20 minutes until it's nice and soft. But I didn't find a spray bottle, so I actually uh, ended up bringing a steamer to the office. <laughs> <laughs> like so I, thought, any... I was like, wait, what do we do in the, op in the factory? And we actually have steam rooms or saunas, I like to call them, uh, humidity-controlled rooms where we add humidity indirectly through, uh, through the environment. And I was like, this is basically exactly the same. It's just hot. <laughs> so he steamed his suit. and then No, he, he didn't <laughs> steam his suit. He steamed the backdrop and the tobacco and just popped the suit on. I specifically asked him before the show. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it, would, it would have been a very funny sight to film. Um, <laughs> oh, I did record about 15 seconds of it while you were on Facebook, I know. Yeah. Um, so your question is, what part of the leaf is strongest? All right. Um, the leaf grows out from here, right? And from the center vein outwards. And kind of like the plant as it grows from the top, it's shooting all these nutrients to the top of the plant. The, and the nutrients are being shut out to the, to the outsides of the leaf, to the extensions. So if you really have to look at the leaf, the strongest part of the leaf is the tip right here. So all, the leaf is growing here and all the nutrients Always are being is. shut out up here. <laughs> and the nutrients are being shut out to the sides. So you would say this is the strongest second strongest, third strongest, then in the middle would be uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, and then all the way in the bottom would be the softest. Now, when it comes to cigar construction, different people do it differently. Um, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. Um, you can say when you're making a cigar, right, uh, depending on how you roll, the way we roll in Davidoff is accordion style. So what we do is we fold the leaf in an accordion style, where basically we're creating these airflow channels by making it into accordion. And can you do uh, the accordion thing a couple more times? Can you make an accordion sound? <laughs> <laughs> can, and can you play a what tune? basically happens is that uh, what we do, I'm going to break the leaf. Ooh. What we He's do is break the leaf. He's breaking the leaf. <laughs> cut in the bottom, right? And then we refill accordingly and we put the softest up to the top. And putting and evening it out, what we do is we put the strongest part to the end of the cigar. Okay. When you smoke a cigar, imagine this is a filter. And imagine the smoke has to travel through this filter. The longer the smoke travels through the filter, the more the smoke is going to be filtered and is going to be uh, softer intensity to the palate. You're going to feel it less. Right? So if you have... If you have the burn line here, you have the ash all the way here, there's less trajectory to the cigar, so you feel the intensity of the smoke stronger. If you have a 
double corona and it's this long, at the beginning, the smoke is going to be very cool. It's going to travel through the cigar. It's going to be filtered. The intensity is going to be reduced. That's why longer cigars tend to be softer than, soft, than shorter cigars. Mm. So what we do in Davidoff is we put the strongest pit, uh, tip to the, to the end, to the foot of the cigar, so that the strongest part of the, of the leaf gets filtered to the cigar. And then it evens out with the softest part of the leaf that is closest to the head of the cigar so that the smoke is as even as possible. So as the smoke travels through the cigar, it's picking up, it's picking up from the tobacco that it's moving through is what you're saying. No, it's, the, it's, it's being filtered so the intensity that you receive in the palate is less. Gotcha. And um, I've seen some companies, and I've seen particularly uh, in Cuba, where what they do is the opposite. Instead of cutting in the bottom and filling in the top, to the top is they cut in the top and they fill to the bottom. Interesting. That, that's why when you go to, for example, Europe, they're smoking a lot of Cubans. They talk a lot about the evolution of cigars, of, of smoking. And they really talk about thirds. The first third, the second third, the third third. The industry really loves this lately. But the reason why the talk about the thirds really evolved is because the Cubans ch change it like this and then your cigar automatically gets stronger as you mm. smoke it because you're putting the tip of the leaf to the end of the cigar, which has less filtration. Mm. So I've done seminars where people say, I like this cigar, this is a great cigar, but it's, uh, talking about Davidoff, but it doesn't have the big bang, the big finish, the cigar doesn't evolve as my Cuban cigars have done it. So my dad and I have done uh, tasting seminars in France, different parts of Europe, Italy, where people are talking about the evolution, the evolution, the evolution. And we're like, well, sorry, Davidoff doesn't have evolution. Davidoff cigars don't get really strong at the end, like the cigars that you guys are used to. You, because you're we look, put you're, the you're looking for a, like a, to the end. Uh, you're looking for like an even smoking experience throughout the entire. I don't know if that's a great strategy, Klaus. <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> it's, it's Davidoff philosophy. Yeah, who wants to smoke a cigar that smokes evenly and balanced the whole time? I want a cigar to be like a. Roller coaster, uh, <laughs> Buck and Bronco. No, uh, but actually, when you bring up Cubans, that sort of leads us into our fourth question, uh, and this this has to do with the color of the ash. Like, there's a, there's a lot of discussion. Like, um, you know, oh wow, look at this cigar's beautiful white ash. But then, if you smoke a Cuban, sometimes it's it's almost a black ash. Uh, so the question number four, which is our second to last I, question I for you. I didn't make one joke there. Just is, want to let that be known. Is, I held my tongue. <laughs> what does the color of the ash, if anything, tell us about the cigar, good or bad? Um, the color of the ash is due to many different things. Uh, but it really tells you a lot about the soil. Um, normally, if the tobacco or the soil has a lot of... Uh, uh, calcium the more calcium there is in the soil the wider the ash is going to be so the more calcium the tobacco has the ability to assimilate from the soil okay. the wider it's going to be um, when you have soils with lower pHs um, volcanic soils soils high in iron uh, Nicaragua Cuba they tend to be uh, darker ash right higher pHs you can you have lighter you have lighter also uh, it could mean it could be due to other things uh, but the soil the soil component is not the end of the world because you can add calcium in your fertilizers so you can increase 
the pH up to acceptable levels for tobacco so that it matures and it grows. And you can also increase the amount of calcium. And that's going to tell you that your burn is better. When you have also a black ash, it might mean that your combustion is incomplete, meaning that basically, I saw your smile. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, said, um, you said ash, and it sounds like a different word, <laughs> and it's funny. It's fine. You it should start funny. a Facebook group. That's what we but, should do, guys. Um, yeah, to finish the idea, uh, incomplete combustion might be mean that your tobacco is very humid, or you are burning the tobacco at too high of a temperature. Maybe you're using a torch, and you're burning that. When you're lighting it, you're burning it off, right? And it, it wasn't a complete combustion. So that also might have to do with it. But really the main point is the calcium in the soil and the pH levels. But theoretically, uh, and, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, theoretically that the color of your ash might not mean anything as far as it's a good cigar. your enjoyment or the fact that it's a good or bad cigar. Like that doesn't necessarily mean anything per se, does it? It, it doesn't mean that the taste is going to be bad. Okay. If it's a black ash, it's not. Doesn't mean it's gonna. <laughs> I see. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. You stop. Invite a child on the show, and what do you think is gonna happen? <laughs> ash sounds like the funny right, word. We get you. We get you. All right, Jack. No, it doesn't mean it's gonna be a bad taste. Okay. Um, what color is your ash currently? <laughs> if you were to describe your ash, Klaus. But you can see that, for example, it's very interesting because if you look at the classic Davros, um, the iconic ones, right? Uh, signature line, Davidoff 2000, Davidoff number two, Special R, the Grand Cru. These are tobaccos that have that Connecticut wrapper, very light wrappers. You know, and I remember growing up, people would say, wow, I love the Davidoff white ash. This was a term, you know, mm. and people were like, wow, Davidoff white ash. It's always perfect. And it's very interesting that in the last couple of years, I have not heard it as much. But the reason why is because Davidoff has ventured into other territories. They're doing cigars such as Davidoff Nicaragua, uh, Davidoff Escurio, Habano-type wrappers. And these Habano-type wrappers are thicker, they have more oils, so it's harder to burn through. And basically, it re leaves an ash that is of a darker color. Mm, okay. And that's not a tanning thing. That's just kind of that's, that's just, just what it is. That's just what, that's it, what is. it is. And the cigars are good. <laughs> All right, Jack, you got the final Colossus and Session yeah, question. Um, today, I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, educated smokers today could probably name growing regions in Nicaragua. You know, you got Ometepe, Esteli, Cadega, Jalapa. What are the growing regions in the DR that are similar to those? I'll I'll tell you one reason why the people can easily name the regions in Nicaragua. Uh, there's basically two. Uh, first, because there's only four, or yeah. four main ones, right? So right. it's Davidoff in Dominican Republic controls 15. You know, it's, it's very hard to remember 15 different zones. Right. Uh, it's a lot more in quantity. Um, but the other reason why in Nicaragua you can easily name these regions is because when people talk about blends, from Nicaraguan cigars, either they're very secretive or they're basically just saying the regions. And most companies use Habano-type seeds as, uh, as a base, whether it's a Criollo, Habano 2000, Habano whatever, Criollo whatever, whatever year you want to call it, but there's a lot of Habano-type seeds, and they're all basically out of the same family. So when people describe in blends, even Davidoff, 
to that extent. We say we have tobacco from Umetepe, we have tobacco from Condega, Esteli, Jalapa, because that's the way people know it. All these seeds are of the same family, right? Where in the Dominican Republic, we match seed and many varieties of seeds to different types of zones. So in the Dominican Republic, we talk more about seeds and then match it to the zone, which is a different way of thinking and a different way of to present it to the world. Uh, does it work against us in a way? Yeah, because for marketing purposes, people don't know the regions sure. of the Dominican Republic, right? Uh, but um, I could, I could, you could argue that in the Dominican Republic, because we use so many different types of seeds, not just Habano type seeds, um, and then we have so many different types of zones that are so different, you have a bigger ability to make different types of taste. And that leads to the idea that when you think of Cuba as a taste, you say, hey, Cuba taste, what does it taste? And a lot of people say, oh, I know what the Cuba taste is like. And sure. a lot of people say, Nicaragua taste, I know what the Nicaragua taste is like. You know. And then when you say Dominican Republic, what's the taste of Dominican Republic? People are like, uh, I don't know. Sure. And some people say, I know how a company tastes, absolutely, but I don't know how the Dominican Republic as a country tastes. Yeah, I know what their is ash. An identity issue. I know what their ash looks like, but I couldn't tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> they always say that was a bad joke. I appreciate you laughing at that one, Klaus. It's, uh, it's we're almost out of time, so that's why. It's kind of you, you. Sometimes you throw up buzzer beaters and they you miss, you know. But you got to you got to. No, take but um, I just just to finish your question, um, if you really have to mention. Uh, zones in regards to Esteli, you could say maybe your uh, to Nicaragua, your Esteli might be like your um, Santiago Rodriguez or Canela, or maybe Piloto. Um, your um, Ometepe might be like your Yamasa, which is, has like the, that little spiciness in the center of the palate. Uh, Condega might be, no, Jalapa might be like a Jacagua or like a Navarrete. And then That's what I was thinking. Condega, uh, can't think of it right now. Uh, I don't know. Where where would you say the strongest tobacco in the DR? What region does that come from? This because like a lot of That's people definitely like definitely La Canela. Okay, La Canela. Uh, you could also venture say because of the iron content, Santiago Rodriguez, Piloto, Piloto tobacco from Piloto is also very strong. But most people agree that Canela might be the strongest one. I think that out of all the people, Jack, that we've ever had on the show, Klaus says Nicaragua, the coolest. Yeah, can you give us one quick Nicaragua? <laughs> Nicaragua? Oh, oh yeah. man, that hits <laughs> Come you. Come on. That just that yeah, hits you. <laughs> Somebody was asking um, uh, if there's going to be a test after the show. And I think, Klaus, we got to add that to future future classes and sessions. We'll have, like, a multiple choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know Klaus, like, in all seriousness, the, uh, one thing that we've talked about on the show before – because when we went down uh, to visit you guys in the DR and, and spent a week with you, was there's this whole idea of like boutique cigars, boutique cigar companies. And I think people think of boutique cigar companies as a company that like, you know, really spends a lot of time with the tobacco and like, you know, takes it, the craft to a whole new level. But, and maybe you can touch on some of this, class, but like you guys at, at Davidoff, and I, I hope I don't sound like uh, like a fanboy fan here, but the truth is I've never seen any company spend so much effort and so much time in the smallest details that you guys do, like, you know, planting the seeds by hand and then pulling out the seedlings with, 
you know, after dipping your fingers in milk. And I mean, talk about the effort that you guys spend in the smallest details with Davidoff. Well, boutique companies have their charm. You know, uh, my brother owns a boutique company, the Kellner Boutique Factory, the mm. KBF Factory. Mm. Um, and what a boutique company allows you to do is that it really allows you to focus on the actual craft of cigar making, the elaboration. And you can be very detailed. You can do a lot of quality control on those cigars that you are actually making. But boutique companies, normally because of the size and the amount of money they have, uh, tend to have uh, low inventories. They tend to have less processes. So that's really their down their downside, where they depend on their supplier. And when you get into a big company, companies are vertically integrated. Companies that are vertically integrated are able to really control more things, uh, control fermentation, control aging, many other processes that are in the elaboration of the cigar, pre-elaboration. But the problem is that when you get too big, sometimes you lose the capacity to uh, go for the minute details, the quality control. And I believe that because we didn't get to the point that we are over overnight, with many, many years, with being very strict, I believe that Davidoff is the perfect balance of a big company that can make large quantities of tobacco, of cigars, have has the money and the time to have large inventories in the processes. And then they also take the time to go into the minute details, into the planting of the plants, our 10 million plants, into the many, many quality controls that we have throughout the whole time. But that is not, that doesn't come uh, free, that comes at a price, that comes uh, with time, meaning it takes a lot more time to make a cigar. And it also comes with a cost, you know, that gets also reflected into the cigar. But it also guarantees to you that whenever you have that cigar is as perfect as possible, or that's what we strive to be, right? We strive to be as detail-oriented as high quality control as possible and be able to serve the world we're making so, so many millions of cigars and more people get to taste and experience what we do at the quality that a boutique company can do sure right you know yeah that's that's the exciting part is is the when you do get yourself a davidoff and like when we did the the dojo davidoff we were like hey you know we want to sort of a cigar that tastes more in the realm, you know, the stronger kind of cigar that's more in the realm of what our viewers do. And you guys are able to, you know, accommodate that as well, which is, is, is exciting that at a big company that serves Europe and Asia and all the places that you guys sell cigars, you know, you're still able to, you know, work in, hey, let's make a cigar for the dojo that is is got a little bit of oomph to it, a little mm -hmm. power to it. And, and that's really cool. So, but uh, I, I just can't thank Klaus enough for you yeah, know coming is, on. This is a rare show where we talk about cigars. Cigars. We it's a fun thing that we tried out for this show. Most <laughs> yeah. of the time, we talk about like Food Network stars <laughs> and and we, Klaus. I have one final question right, for here you. Here we go. I have seen your name spelled in our uh, ch in the live chat about forty different ways. And I don't think anybody's got it right. What's the most common misspellings of your name? Can you tell people actually how to spell your name? Or pronunciations. And pronunciations. Like, it <laughs> seems you're getting butchered on the spelling <laughs> on this. I'm used to it. Um, 
I actually, uh, I'm blessed with my name. I have the my grandfather's name, and he's the first generation of tobacco. So I'm I'm, I'm the only one that has his full name. So I, I get to carry that, and I get to carry that torch. But um, so I'm third generation in tobacco. But my name is spelled K L A A S, class with double A with a K. Most people do the double S at the end instead of the double A, like classroom. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I have been in like in a, in a classroom in, a, in college, in university, and somebody says, okay, class, play attention. I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, happens all the time. Or people will call it the Santa Claus way, Claus with a U, with a C. I've and, seen, and I've seen that all these worse, just tonight. I try to put it right in between there. I don't think we helped with I the... I hedged my bets. With the theme of the show. <laughs> yeah, the, the theme session. of the show did not help you at all. <laughs> no, but I love it. I, you guys had came up with a good one. But what's worse is that my, my, my middle name is Peter, but it's, it's spelled Piter. Uh, P-I-E-T-E-R. It's I, the I, Dutch way. It's I totally Dutch blew the that whole way. <laughs> totally blew that one. I mean, yeah, no, nobody's, nobody gets the Peter part. No. Nobody ever does, brother. <laughs> That's the story of my life. <laughs> story of my life. Saving it till marriage. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, guys, if you want to get your hands on this cigar, it's coming out next week. Do. And, Just do uh, it. You know, here's the thing oh, with that. Final tasting notes on that? Do we get uh, any updates on this thing? Jack? Oh, man. I thought it was – I thought it had – It's so hard to smoke a cigar on the show. Yeah. That's, that's what's difficult. I thought it had a nice floral quality throughout, but it had some – Subtle oomph to it. Like, it wasn't like you were, you know, Smoking Daisies, which is my band name. Smoking Come see Smoking Daisies. Uh, we're playing the <laughs> Lost Lake Lounge next week. But it's got, it was a very yeah. refined smoke. No, and it definitely uh, picks up on the spices and the earthiness and the woodiness, especially when you get into the second, into in the second or half part of the cigar. Um, in the beginning, you're getting adapted, used to it. Only the frontal part of your palate is being stimulated. And then towards the end, it really picks up on the own. But it maintains the Davidoff uh, balance. Sure. And it, it, it's never too aggressive. There, it's, the, very, it's very classic. There's folks that smoke, you know, Davidoff exclusively. But for most, like, regular Joes like myself. It's like a nice. It's got to be, you know, like. A nice you know, occasion. It's yeah. a, and it's an occasion Unless thing. it's a Davidoff Cigar Dojo, in which case you smoke it and, every day. And that's what's cool. It's like, it's fun to be able to have, like. That one cigar that you look forward to, Jack. That's like, all right, Friday, I'm gonna do it, man. I'm just, Boom. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna throw down the thirty bucks and I'm gonna just do it. And that's cool about cigars is, is that they, we we do have that option to just go ahead and and sort of treat yourself now and then. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. So hey, Klaus, uh, thank you so much for this uh, Friday night. We'll do it again in a couple months or six months or whatever. Couple yeah, months, t- ten years maybe. <laughs> yeah, ten years. Ten right. years, depending on lo- next time you invite us to uh, the DR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, brother. So uh, hang with us. Don't go away, Klaus. Uh, we'll talk to you after the show. But guys, uh, Jack. Next week we head to uh, Philadelphia. Next week we go to war. Uh, protocol. War against stick. sobriety. And, <laughs> and that that'll be a uh, a significant show. Let's just say that'll be a significant week for us. I don't know. Juan Cancel says he's going to be – so we're going to have Jeff Todd in the smoking wagon. Smoking wagon. Barry. Barry Driscoll. Barry Wendeluxen. <laughs> and then Juan Cancel says he's, he's going to spend most of the week with us. Ooh. I don't know what happens, but Juan and I, like when we mix, there's no like, – like I should make the responsible decision in me <laughs> at all. And for a guy with the tramp stamp, 
You'd be surprised at how many times I make the responsible decision. It's going to be a disaster, a beautiful disaster. So if you want to see that beautiful disaster, meet us at uh, Famous Smoke Shop a week from tonight. A week away. From today, it'll be a blast. And they go on sale at what time? They go on sale at noon, so make sure you're part noon, of the um, which time zone? Eastern. Eastern. But make sure you're uh, on our uh, email list so you get a chance to buy them. Because they're gonna go, they're gonna go fast, Jack. <laughs> they're gonna go fast. Last <laughs> last year, the 300 went like in an hour. So I 90 saw that minutes. Movie, it was great. So this time, uh, there's a little bit more, but I, I assume that they're gonna. Still I didn't go get fast. the movie reference. We'll talk after the show. The 300. We'll talk after the show. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, uh, guys, uh, let's do some now playing. The Avs. I want to see you on the dojo. I want to see the Avalanche win a hockey game. <laughs> I want to see Mamma Mia, the second one. I didn't see it. I heard it was good. <laughs> All right, and until uh, until next Thursday, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, my friends, hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you check out all the amazing features we offer at JRCigars.com. Join our JR Plus and get free shipping and exclusive offers for an entire year at one great price. Subscribe to our Cigar of the Month Club, and we'll send you five premium cigars each month, plus a sixth one if you're a JR Plus member. Lastly, download our Beat the Dealer app or play the brand new desktop version featuring a brand new slot game. You can win cigars and other great prizes while also taking advantage of exclusive daily deals. Experience all this and more at JR Cigar, the world's largest cigar store just a click away.